This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on operationalizing your compliance program, sponsored by Broadcat LLC. Over this series, I visit with Jennifer May, Director of Compliance Advisory, Taylor Edwards, Director of Sales, Xenia Perkey, Design Manager, Alex Klingelberger, Chief Executive Officer, and J.C. Dempsey, Director of Customer Success. We consider a variety of ways to more fully operationalize your compliance regime, including the design and effectiveness of your communications, why the operationalization of compliance is a team sport, why simply data is not the answer, and how to avoid being overwhelmed. First, a quick word about our sponsor, The Broadcat. Broadcat designs operationalized compliance communications and training. Imagine guidance for your managers on when an employee comes to them with a concern condensed into a customizable one-pager, or a checklist for approvers so they can know what red flags to look for in expense reports and invoices. Broadcat has been called a behavioral compliance best practice by the Temple Law Review. So check out Broadcat at thebroadcat.com. In this part one of this special five-part podcast series, I'm joined by Jennifer May to consider what is compliance program effectiveness. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and welcome to episode one of our five-part series on Broadcat. Today, I'm thrilled to have with me Jennifer May. She's the director of Compliance Advisory at Broadcat. And we're going to talk today about a single word that gets bandied all the time, but probably not enough, and that's effectiveness. The Department of Justice has used that word for many years. I've used that word for many years. I know you guys have used that word for many years. So why are we maybe, why is effectiveness probably more important now than it's ever been. And we've been using it for five or six years. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tom. It is so important. And you do sometimes feel a little bit like a broken record. You keep saying, we all have keep saying, we need to get to effectiveness. The fact that we're continuing to talk about it and it's continuing to be a major topic of conversation just tells me that it's just not happening yet. Perhaps it's something that's just really elusive. Um, So I like to start by thinking about what it is and what it isn't. And doing that with my colleagues, with my with my compliance friends across the country, that's, that is exciting to me and a lot of fun. So sometimes it's just hopping on a phone call with them, trying to talk it out, and it's always bringing new information to me. But from my perspective, when I think about effectiveness, starting with what it's not is sometimes a little easier. And so to me, it's not about getting 100% completion on some sort of training module. I think, unfortunately, that's become the the benchmark or the metric that's used a lot. But to me, effectiveness isn't represented by clicks. It's about getting information to individuals so you can get the right outcomes. That's what it is to me. It's about outcomes. It's not about. So it comes down to when we're talking about compliance, it's really getting after those risky activities. And you really need to understand what are we having good outcomes when it comes to those risky activities? And if you're not, why are you not? Do your employees understand what it is that they're supposed to be doing and when they're supposed to be doing it? What are those behaviors and the outcomes that we want to change or need to change to get to the appropriate? So when I start asking questions like that, I start thinking about questions like that. 
and talking about it in that way, you start to see a shift in people. You start to see a shift in yourself and in your colleagues. And they think, wait a minute, I've been counting clicks all these years. Is that not what I'm supposed to be doing? And what I would tell them is, and what I say to them is, not necessarily, but it's important to understand what you're doing when you're counting those clicks and what that shows you, what that metric is. And from my perspective, the result isn't a click. The result is a compliant behavior. So then shifting the focus, shifting the conversation to what are those outcomes? Then we start thinking about training in a little different way when we can start to see how effectiveness can start to be impacted by solid training that focuses on it. Jennifer, I've heard you use a phrase that, frankly, I had not heard in years. And that phrase was closed book test. (laughs) And that this is not a closed book test. And I had to sit and think for a minute, what's a closed book test? (laughs) Uh, But then it came back in all its glory. Law school, right? (laughs) Oh, law school, high school, college, (laughs) grad school, all of those. But why do you really assert that this is not a closed book test. I don't believe it's a closed book test because I don't think it has to be, and I don't think it should be. Compliant behavior isn't something that you should keep behind the curtain. It, the information should be out there and available to anyone who needs it in the moment that they need it to understand what they need to do. And if that's at the first time they do a risky task, of course, they're gonna need it then. But if it's the next time and the next time and every time subsequent to that, then that's okay too. There's no reason why keeping that information hidden or keeping it locked away and making them remember it is going to make them more effective or more appropriately compliant in their behaviors. Providing that information up front and always when they need it is really the key. And so part of that is because at a practical level, compliance folks can't be everywhere all at once either. They're just one person or they're just a small team and they can't morph themselves into covering every single angle and every single moment of the organization every time. And so that's where they, the closed book test doesn't do them any good because they can't be standing over someone's shoulder every time talking about why, what they need to do and how they need to do it. So keep it as an open book test. Make the information openly available whenever they need it. Breaking down those processes will help you start to do that because part of what that will allow you to do is to start thinking about where those opportunities are to provide that information, provide that training, provide that guidance so that someone always knows what the right thing to do is in each given situation. I know we're going to take this up in a later podcast, but I want to just touch on it now, which is credibility credibility for your compliance function. And it strikes me that by using or having effective training, you not only build credibility for compliance, but you build the credibility that an employee will look up an answer or go to a resource or be willing to look at the compliance functions website or the resource on out SharePoint, wherever it may be within an organization. And so I really wanted to maybe have you say a few words about the credibility to not be a closed book, to be an open book, that an employee who is trying to do the right thing would look to try to find the answer if you can give them credible, effective training. That concept is a really important one. And I think it's one that also honors who they are as a professional in the work that they're doing. And so coming to that and being open about the resources that are available, encouraging them to use them, encouraging them to find them, 
and perhaps most importantly, encouraging them to reach out when they've got a question and making that okay is part of that credibility. The other piece of it that I've found over the years is that if you're coming to the supervisors, the managers, the employees that are doing these risky tasks and these jobs as a compliance professional, and you're saying and coming alongside them and saying, hey, I want to understand what it is that you do. I want to understand where the concerns are. How does this process need to run? You're engaging with them on a level that's all about what they do. And in a way, you're starting to show them that I'm here to support you. And isn't that what compliance folks are all about anyway? We're here to help support the organization in doing their activities compliantly and appropriately, but also providing those moments in time when folks can collect new information, share that information, and gather that. And if you can be that catalyst, if you can be that part of that process, your credibility not only in increases because you're helping to support the organization get things done appropriately, but you're also a part of the solution, a part of making everything better and a part of really driving the business forward in a way that sometimes compliance programs can be seen as distant. Now you're engaged. Now you're in there really helping folks to break down those risky issues and find the right way to communicate about it. Jen, for anyone who has ever heard me speak knows that I say the three most important things on any compliance program are whatever you do, document it. And I'd like to start with that concept and maybe take it a step further because you guys have made me think about that in a different way. But I'd like to start with the document part. Why is it important to collect and organize what you do in a documented way, internal. And I've always appreciated how much you've harped on that because I think it's important too. And I do it as well, document. Far too often, we've probably seen these things go south where if you didn't document something, it's like it never happened. And that's really too bad because there's really a lot of good work that happens. And sometimes if it doesn't get written down, it doesn't get remembered and it doesn't get documented and you can't show a regulator or a supervisor or a stakeholder that you actually did what you said you did. And so that's that at its base level, that's the important. Also, the Department of Justice is being very explicit <laughs> about wanting you to be able to demonstrate what you're doing to be compliant, to follow the rules. And if you don't document really well and get really good at how you collect your documentation and how you organize it, it's gonna be really hard to tell your story and to show that to whomever is asking that question of you. It's also really important from the perspective of when you're breaking down those processes and you're starting to find those natural opportunities within the process to help support it, either with a checklist or a job aid or something like that, those can become your documentation. So it doesn't have to be this crazy, huge new documentation type where you're writing everything down or keeping some sort of a transcript of what happened. It can be a natural opportunity within processes themselves to document and be able to show I'm giving this information every time we do this risky, it documents that we've done it every single time. And then you can turn around and show that to whomever is asking you for that information when they need it. So document, find the ways that make sense within the processes, build those in as part of it. And the bonus piece of that, it becomes training too, because you're reminding folks what's the most appropriate way to do these tasks, what's the most appropriate way to achieve these goals and the outcomes in the right way. There was another bonus that I've heard you suggest that frankly made me rethink the document mantra. <laughs> 
And that is that by having these, all of these processes and outcomes documented, you now have data and you have data that you can use, that you can use to refine, you can use to target, or you may not even know what the data can bring, but if you then move to analyze the data in some other format, you could have insights that, frankly, you had never thought of. We're going to talk about it in a little depth in a later episode, but I was wondering if you could maybe give us a teaser because I'm going to have to incorporate that into my mantra because that data analytics is the future of compliance. And if you have documented properly, as we've said, you're going to have data. So could you maybe give us a little bit on that? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. And I think it does fit really well with the document mantra, because what you're going to have to be able to do is once you've documented it, you're going to need to then immediately start showing what you're doing with that documentation. If you've got it just sitting there in a vault, okay, that's great to be able to show what you did. The next step is what are you learning from it? What are you able to take away from it? And that's where the data analytics that you can start to drive out of that documentation really become important. And so setting up those documentation pieces in those processes and building them in as part of the way you manage a process, you manage a, an organization, it's now your documentation, but it's also your audit tool. It becomes the thing that you can use to check against it. And you can look and say, okay, in this process, we keep messing up at step number four. Why is that? Then you can start your root cause analysis on step number four. And maybe you come back and say, okay, and here's my new guidance document. Here's the new process that we're going to do to help alleviate and mitigate this issue. So that helps to really show not only that you're documenting and that you've done these things, but you're also learning from it. And you're continuously improving your program and continuously improving your processes so that you're staying in front of the compliance needs that you need to. Jennifer, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I hope our listeners will join us where yourself and your colleague, Xenia Perky, are going to talk to us about design in our next episode. But before we leave, if our listeners wanted any more information on any of the topics you've touched on today, what would be the best place for them to go? I'd encourage them to check out our website. That is at thebroadcat.com. All kinds of great information in there, links to some blogs and some other resources and things that can really help you start thinking about documentation and training and effectiveness in a different way that I think, and you'll hopefully find that will help to drive your program forward and get you those compliant outcomes and results that you're really looking for. Jennifer, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me today. And I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. This is Tom Fox again. Hope you've enjoyed this episode and our special five-part podcast series with the Broadcat on operationalizing compliance. The Broadcat is one of the most innovative compliance product and service providers that I know of in the compliance space. They have been way ahead of the game in visualization and other strategy and tactics that are not normally used to help uh, influence behavior and compliance. So I hope you will check them out. Once again, their website is thebroadcat.com. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you again.